Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey, welcome to Running Light Podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we're going to talk to you guys today about um, kids and pornography. And we want to make it clear what we are talking about in this podcast. We're not talking about kitty porn or kitty pornography. Um, but we're going to talk about, like, what do you do when your kid is uh, stumbles across pornography or what happens if you find out your teenager is actually been watching maybe porn for a good length of time. Hmm. So that's kind of what we want to talk about in this podcast. Um, yeah, and we, we've talked to many parents about this issue. We've done Internet safety presentations before. We've talked to pastors like youth pastors about what to do when their uh, students at the church are, are found out or confess that they're on pornography. And so there's a lot of people in the church community that really don't know what to do. Mm. And my first, I guess, response to all of it is that this is really sad mm. <laughs> that we don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, what do you think, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because if I'm a kid and and I'm a, I'm a teenager and I'm struggling with this sin, and and me as a teenager when I was 13 years old, I knew that what I was doing was sinful. And then you know, when all the responses that I, if the only response that I would get from someone was shock and amazement of just like I can't believe this is what you've done, then like how how could I ever possibly feel like what I'm doing is normal or natural or that there's any amount of understanding or that I'm not just like damned just for doing it, you know? Yeah. No, it's so true. And so I know the first thing we want to talk about, obviously, is the response. Because um, the response tells everything, kind of tells the tale, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, I, you know, I think of, you know, the sad part to me is just what you say is that, God, what a damaging situation, man. If your kid, if you walk in your kid's room and they have porn on the, on the internet and you're, and you literally are freaking out or, or your kid comes up to you and says, Hey, I saw something on the internet. And you go over there and you're like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And, and you just shut it off and don't talk to them at all about it. Hmm. Um, or as a, a youth pastor might say to the student in the youth room, you know, like, Hey, don't tell anybody, don't talk about this. You know, um, we'll just deal with it, you know, kind of, you know, kind of in the quiet, you know, just, you know, let's just keep it, keep it low down, you know, down low on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, it throws off a major passage, First Corinthians chapter 10, um, verse 13. And this is the sad thing to me about, about how we deal with this in the church and in the family, mm-hmm. um, in the church family. It says, no temptation hasn't overtaken you except such as common to man. And so my first question to a parent who might be listening or to a youth pastor or leader is what sins have you been overtaken in? Because hmm. it says no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common, meaning there obviously is a temptation that has overtaken you. Yeah. You know, um, and so it seems like a lot of parents aren't aware of their sin enough to be able to deal with sexual issues mm. and maybe 
even pastors are not aware enough of their sin in order to constructively help someone who's in sexual sin like viewing pornography. Hmm. Does that make some sense to you? Yeah, it does make sense to me. And what an incredibly freeing passage that is Mm -hmm. to someone like me uh, who grew up in the church and I felt all alone. You know, here I am inside of a, a church filled with people who claim the blood of Christ, who claim that they're sinners saved by grace. Yeah. And yet here I'm struggling with the most commonly mentioned sin in the whole stinking Bible, <laughs> the most commonly mentioned sin in all of the Old Testament. And I'm sitting in a room filled with people who claim to have read the Bible, understand the Bible, and I feel like I'm the only one who struggles in this issue. You know, if it was if it was such a weird issue then why is it mentioned in every single one of Paul's letters? Like literally every single one of his letters, he mentions sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. Don't you know your bodies are the temples of God? They're not to be used for for sexual immorality. Like he says it in literally every single one of his letters. So obviously every single one of the churches that he planted had problems with sexual immorality. So I mean, why is it so shocking uh, for someone in America today um, sitting inside of a church where you have pornography, I'm, I'm, I know you have stats right there that, that would be really helpful, I think, to help people see this. You have these stats where you have pornography as one of the, the biggest uh, grossing industries in, in America right now. Um, they're getting that money from somebody. It's not like you just have one dude in the basement and he's somehow <laughs> spending $90 billion like in his, in his basement. Worldwide. Somehow. Yeah, just right. worldwide. Like obviously it, it, they're getting it from a lot of different people. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just don't understand how people can't understand. Now on the other side, yeah. I just don't get how, how, how we can feel so alone mm-hmm. um, and, and why the Christian culture feels that we need to hide yeah. this particular sin. Yeah, and it might be because 1 Corinthians chapter 10 you know, is not really relevant in just the um, the application of someone's life. You know what I mean? It's not. It doesn't work out itself really well. Mm-hmm. Meaning, maybe people aren't understanding their sin. You know, things that they're overtaken in pride, whatever that sin is, greed, mm-hmm. lust, envy. You know, it's not what comes into a man that Jesus said in the book of Mark, but it's what comes out of a man. And he lists those things, and those things are all things in the human heart and in the human mind that we all struggle with. And, you know, he who sins is a slave to sin. We know that, that Mm. we're slaves of sin. And by Jesus' blood, we're certainly set free. The Son does set us free from the penalty of that sin, Mm. you know. But it's certainly, there's still the battle of Galatians chapter 5 that's in us, which is, the spirit against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Mm. And so we all should feel somewhat the strength of sin in our life and even the overtaking power of sin to where when we see something like pornography with our children, it doesn't just blow us away, but we understand sin's power. Mm. We understand that the sin, uh, the, the power of sexual sin in, in our culture um, which really you got to be blind, man. You really have to be blind if you don't understand the power of sex in our entertainment-driven culture yeah. and very money-driven culture. I mean, that would be very hard to imagine a parent that is that ignorant that would look at, go, "Oh my gosh, my kid's watching child porn. I can't believe my ki- or my I can't believe my kid watched, 
you know, pornography for the past three years, it just blows my mind. It's like, well, where were you at? You know, where have you been? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just looking at some older stats from Cas, um, 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 it's, Ka- it's called, um, the Kaspersky, uh, security suite. You know how to pronounce that? I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of the, it's, it's like, um, it's like an antivirus company. Um, and they say that pornography, um, in the parental control system of their lab's home user products is triggered over 4 million times a day. In other words, there are about 3,000 attempts to access adult content sites by minors every minute. Hmm. So that's worldwide. So worldwide, you have 3,000 attempts. Um, and according to um, Semantic, which is a uh, Norton antivirus kind of company, mm. um, after scanning 3.5 million online searches done between February 2008 and July 2009, sex was the fourth most used term, porn was the sixth. This reflects searches done by children in households that use online family Norton. Mm. So, I mean, it... it it's obvious, you know, the Internet's obviously open to everything, you know, and some parents out there are just deadly afraid of their kids viewing pornography today. And even if they have, say, a router that has a filter system or uh, a Internet um, software that has a, a system, they still, um, the kids might go over a friend's house yeah. and they might view it, you know. And so it's it's almost virtually impossible for a parent to like just total have lockdown, right? You know, on their kid, right. you know. So uh, it's it it becomes a responsibility of the parent or the leader, the pastor, grandma, whatever, to be able to understand sin in its nature and be able to respond accordingly. Hmm. So if if we don't know how to respond accordingly to sin, what does that say about us? Yeah, absolutely, and. And I think one thing that we also have to understand, especially for uh, those parents who didn't have Internet when they were growing up and the only way to, to get pornography was, you know, the nudie mag or the, the pinup calendars or whatever. Um, the thing that you have to understand is it's so readily available. And me as a teenager, you know, me when I was a teenager, I didn't really have the Internet too much. But, you know, if you're a teenager, you start hitting puberty, you start thinking sexually. Uh, about the opposite sex, which is perfectly natural. It's the way that God designed us and built us. You girls know, start looking good. Yeah, girls start looking good. And I mean, you're, you're on Facebook and, and you see all these, these girls posting provocative pictures and it's only natural. And, and for girls too, they, they, they start getting curious about what does the opposite sex look like. And so it would be perfectly natural in my mind that like, you know, if you're, if you're a kid and you're on the internet to just like every now and then to just, you know, click something or, or to, to push something or to, to go to something mm-hmm. just out of sheer curiosity, you know, so it's not even like, it's not like, you know, your son or your daughter is sitting in their room like, man, I want to be a porn addict. You know, right. that's, that's really where I want my life to go. Right, you know, right, right. that's certainly not their, their, their mindset. Their mindset is I'm curious. That's right. And you know? 50, 54% in one survey um, uh, done by the famous Kinsey Institute in, uh, in July of 2014 says that 54% of those that actually visit adult sites, and this is just all people all that visit adult are curious. Yeah. That's why they visit. Yeah. So if that's the case, if you have, you know, if you have, and probably a lot of that's kids, a lot of kids are probably visiting that are very curious over 
sexual things, and you got to keep that in mind, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, and uh, if if I'm a again, if I'm a child, and I mean, think about it really quickly. In in ancient cultures, before there was pornography, and even if you go around the world uh, today to some of the more uh, honor cultures in Asia and the Middle East. How it works is the parents educate the children on sexuality. That's how it is. There is no uh, sex ed in school. <laughs> you know, that's, it doesn't exist in these other parts of the world. So how it's been culturally throughout human history is that the, the father and the mother sit down with their kids, and they don't just have a short 10-minute birds and the bees talk, but they sit down and they explain their whole life Throughout their entire life, they explain sexuality. They explain what it looks like. They, expe- they explain what to expect in detail. You know, and that's why you have in, in the Bible, you have this book about sexuality. You know, as, as a father, as, as someone in, if I was in a Jewish culture and I was a father in the home, it was imperative for me as the leader of the home to explain to my kids what the Bible is talking about when it speaks about sexuality. And there's a really cutting verse in, I believe, the book of Amos. Uh, you might be able to help me out here. Mm. Um, but it's definitely in one of the minor prophets where God basically says, he says, I'm not going to judge your daughters for becoming whores, mm. which is crazy. Yeah. And he says, because the fathers have not taught them how to not be whores, basically. Mm-hmm. And your men treat them like whores. So what else would they be? And it's like this really crazy, um, just absolutely blatant uh, affront that God is looking at. And he's saying, you're not teaching the young people. Mm-hmm. So the men grow up treating girls like prostitutes, and the girls grow up acting like prostitutes because they've never heard any different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a radical section. But yeah, that's and that kind of theme runs throughout the prophets in general. Mm. is that the leadership has such a responsibility to train up the daughters of Israel, and they haven't done a good job of it. Um, yeah, and, and so, you know, how do you respond? Well, first of all, in order to respond correctly, you know, it's not just getting some formula for, from some ministry like Covenant Eyes or, mm. you know, having a formula that's going to work. You know, you have to love your kid mm. and and... You have to love them to the point where you're able to share with them life and truth and how things, how, what sex looks like biblically. And, and so for me, it's always been something where not to freak out, but to talk to my kids and say, Hey, you know, what do you think about sex? What do you think about what you saw? Ask them, mm-hmm. what do you think about what you saw? You know, what do you think about that? You know, is that how you think sex should, should be, mm-hmm. you know, or do you know, or, you know, why, you know, why did you visit it? Are you curious? Did you seek it out or did you click on it? You know, get to know why they're doing what they're doing, mm. you know, what they're curious about. Mm. You know, uh, I think uh, I think if you have a teenager that has viewed pornography a length of time, sometimes that can be a scary thing for a parent, you know, because they go, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, what a bummer. But, you know, the the thing to ask is, you know, you know, why do you view you know, what what kind of stuff do you view? And, you know, that's that's a hard question, too. What kind of stuff do you like to see? Right. What are you looking for? And and how, what is it? How does it make you feel? Mm. You know, because there's a lot of the per, the percentage of most people going to Internet 
porn is 72% for physical release. Hmm. You know, 69% for um, um, sexual arousal of self, you know. Um, but but physical release can be 72, meaning, meaning a lot of people might be feeling stressed, meaning it could be a stress thing. Maybe they're oh, totally stressed out, and that's how they get their mind off of whatever they're struggling with, mm. you know. And so you want to find that out, mm. you know. Uh, so you have to do some a little bit of detective work, I think, in it. Because, it, it, I mean, if you just go up to a kid and you just go, dude, that's wrong, shut down the computer, you know, I'm taking you to, you know, Pastor, you know, Bill, and and Pastor Bill knows what to do, and he's going to tell you all about, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, that kid is like, oh, man, dude, I have just bit the dust. Mm. You know, obviously, you know, you know, man, my walk with God's really maybe not going well at all. And, you know, and obviously my mom's freaking out. My dad's freaking out. Mm. They're on me. They're mad at me. They're upset. Um, this is a big deal. I got to have a meeting with someone. Um, you know, what's going on? And, you know, it, and then all of a sudden sex becomes, there's this like asterisk by sex mm. in their life of like sex, bad, mm. sex, bad, you know, not good. Mm. And, and that's not the way it should be, you know, cause you have to remember that pornography is sex. And sex is something God created, and sex is something that is good. Mm. It is part of the creation before the fall. Mm. So it, it is beautiful. And the Bible certainly is littered with bad examples of sex and also has wonderful passage about, about good examples of sex. Mm. And so it's our jobs as parents and as pastors to be able to bring up those wonderful things. Show him Song of Solomon. Let him see that, how awesome God says sex is, how wonderful relationship is. That, hey, Johnny, nothing's wrong with sexual relationships. Check this out. Mm. You know, nothing's wrong. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 5. Mm. Let's look at that. Let's go through it. Let's see that. Hey, you know, see, Johnny, it's okay. Nothing's wrong with that. But let's talk about the context right. of pornography. Right. You know? Right. And that now definitely go a long way in helping um, uh, a child perceive sexuality because if you just paint and 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 I think that that's another adverse effect from Christianity's kind of march against pornography that's happening uh, with guys like uh, Josh McDowell mm-hmm. um, and, and that's one of the negative things one of the negative consequences of what they're doing that I don't think they realize and that if I'm a young person who already is uneducated about sexuality and sex, and I, I look at pornography, and for me, when I was a teenager, to be very honest, when I was a teenager, I thought that that was the only context for sex. I thought that sex was supposed to look like that. This is exactly what sexuality looks like. I would look at movies, and there would always be scenes where people are about to have intimacy, and then it would always cut out. So whenever I watched porn, I was like, oh, well, that's what's happening between the cutout scenes, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense to anyone out there. And so if I'm a kid and that's my only experience with sex and someone's coming out and they're blasting it 
and they're saying it's wrong, it's sick, it's perverted, it's the worst thing you could ever do, and they're just blasting it, blasting it, blasting it. It's going to change your brain. You're, you have no hope. Your synapses are going to be broken. You're never going to be able to look at girls the right way. You're always right. going to be hungry. Then your brains I'm, were wired. Yeah, your brains were wired. Then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. like It's totally ruining my entire perspective of sex instead of understanding, no, sex is okay. It's just the context of pornography is impro- improper, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so, understanding the idea of context as being everything is is the most important thing, right? What does Solomon say in, in Proverbs six? He says, "Who could take fire to their chest and not be burned?" What's his point? Fire's not the problem. The problem is the context where you're putting the fire. You know, so understanding the context for a young person is the most important thing, and that, that's also important in understanding. Uh, the difference between guilt and shame. Like, if I'm if I'm a kid, it's important for me to know that viewing pornography is wrong, and that's what we call guilt. Understanding that an action that I did is improper and wrong, and through the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, that can change, and I can start to honor God through the new man that He's created in me. Mm-hmm. And that's what guilt is. And guilt is actually a positive for the Christian. It's what we call conviction, and that's what one of the works of the Holy Spirit and how he changes us. But if I think that, if I think I'm just so wrong in doing these things, guilt leads to what we call shame, and shame is a focus on self. So guilt would be saying, I'm sorry, I did something wrong, God. Shame is me saying, I'm sorry, I am something wrong. You know, and that's what happened to me, for sure. Because if I'm doing this thing and everyone's like, it's the worst thing you could ever do, it's going to poison your view of marriage, it's going to do this, it's going right, to do it's going that. to ruin every aspect of your life. That's right. That's right. Especially since, I mean, so many so many of us define ourselves based on our sexuality, especially in this culture. Well, and, 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 and that's, I mean, just think what it's like if, if a parent or a pastor goes to a conference or something and it's a pornography kind of conference and all they're getting is this information of of how bad, how bad, how bad, how bad it is. They come home, Johnny's struggled with porn, you know, and all it is is do you don't understand Johnny, your your brain's rewired, you know, the frontal lobe's not working correct correctly, blah 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 blah. All this stuff, right? You're 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 not going to be able to see women right at all. You're not going to be able to. It, to me, that is such a shallow way of approaching this situation. It's such a misinformed way. You know how many millions of millions and millions and millions of people view pornography in the world? I mean, how many people have have lived sexually immoral lives um, in the world? Many, many. I mean, countless of people have done that. Um, and people are able to overcome in so many contexts, whether they're Christian people or whether they're not Christian people. People are able to overcome a, a habitual behavior of viewing pornographic films, you know, um, and their lives are good and their marriages are good. And, and so to paint the picture to Johnny that, Man, dude, you are toast, buddy. I mean, not to say you're not saying that, but in in the it's inferred mm. by giving them all this information mm. of how bad the detriment, you know, it's almost like a scare tactic, but it doesn't work because it puts a kid like yourself in that state of just going there's no hope. Mm. There's no way. I mean, you're telling me God can redeem this. 
but really, how can he after you just got done telling me that my brain is now rewired and um, all messed up? You know, I mean, yeah, I can be you're telling me it can re I can rewire it, you know, but that doesn't give me much hope because you've just told me how bad it is <laughs> that I am in, you know. It's like, and I understand what the people at the conferences try to do. They're trying to go show them how bad it is and then tell them how they can get out of it and things like that. But, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta let them know that everything's common to man. Yeah. You know, that it's a common sin to mankind. So it's awesome if a parent can go up to the kid who's a teenager. I'm talking about a teenager more now. Where you go up to the teenager and you say, hey, Johnny, you know what? I struggle with sexual immorality too. You know, and this is how I do. You know, I have thoughts in my mind. And sometimes I have to deal with those thoughts before the Lord. You know, the Bible says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so that's what I have to do, you know, with my mind. It talks about renewing my mind. And so I get in the Word to renew my mind. I listen to good things. I put things in my my mind, my eyes, and before my ears that are good. So it helps me to, to be renewed in the Lord, you know. But I, too, Johnny, have those temptations, and, you know, and this is what, this is how I fight it. You know, I cut off certain things. Like on my phone, Johnny, I have a little program, you know, or, or I don't watch this, or I don't read that, or, you know, that type of thing. And then you're teaching your son how to fight sin. And that should be common. That's the crazy part to me. Is it should be common that everybody, every Christian knows how to glorify God, Drink from the living water, seek repentance, seek confession in their life, have an accountability partner in life, have people in their life that they're accountable to, you know, and, and, and what did I say? Cut off sin, cut off avenues, you know? I mean, this should be a normal thing in life. And, and if you don't approach your kid in that way that is the first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 way, uh, in that compassion way of, hey, we all deal with sin and this is how I fight, Johnny, um, then it, you can easily use those scare tactics to freak him out where he doesn't view porn anymore. But then what's the detriment of that, Peter, if the goal is just to get Johnny afraid to not view porn because he's going to really jack his life up? Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the two things that can happen to him is, first of all, if, if he was one of the people that was viewing pornography to release stress, one of the 72% of the people that go to, <laughs> to release stress. I mean, what's it going to do to him if he's all freaked out now? So now he's got a whole lot of stress to be released. And so where is he going to go? Well, his release has previously been to pornography. And you've never taught him how to go to the fount of living water of Jesus and how to release stress and anxiety before Christ. Mm. You know, you've never showed him First Peter 5. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And, and the Psalms and how they did that before the Lord. So, of course, if he only understands worldly ways to release stress, he's going to go back to worldly ways to release stress. So right. you actually may have not helped his problem. You've just actually affirmed his problem. Um, but if he if he does, uh, if he is one of the, the, the rare people who is so like a just a natural born rule follower, like I think we had uh, one guy, uh, a dear friend, uh, Nathan, 
who said that the reason why he never went to pornography is because they ask you for your age and he couldn't lie, you know, like, which is the, the weird, I mean, to me, someone like me, you know, the fact that I had to lie actually made pornography more appealing more to cool, me. Like, yeah, yeah that, that was, that's how my mind works. So meeting someone like that is like, whoa, like, that's so rad. So if you have someone who's that consummate rule follower who, you know, it, once he gets that fear, he's able to quit. First of all, you haven't fixed his problem with understanding sexuality in a right way. So he's always going to be damaged. And if they do get married, then they're always still going to have that damaged perspective towards their spouse. And not only that, but the, there's no way that through self-will, if I get free of sin through self-will, there's no way I can't be judgmental to other people. There's just no way. And it's going to increase my pride and self-righteousness. Yeah, and that's and that's what we want parents and pastors to understand in this in this podcast is is that the goal can't be for your kid or for your your youth you know or whoever's in your church youth youth ch- kid to get off porn. That's not the goal. The goal is to glorify God and to honor the Lord in our life. Now, through honoring the Lord, you will move away from pornography. Um, you will do it as you seek to glorify God. But if you if you just seek to get off pornography without glorifying God, that produces something far worse in your child, and that's called self-righteousness, which when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he looked at the whore, he saw that the Pharisees were worse off and because they had um, incredible sin of pride. Uh, and self-righteousness that prevented God from working in their life because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Mm. And so he saw the whores as people who already knew they were a mess Mm. and looked for a way out of their situations. Not all of them, but on the whole, you know, that's how Jesus kind of, you see him act, Mm. you know, um, and that's, I think, important to understand when you're talking to your kid is that the goal is not to get them off porn. It's to seek the glory of God. And if you can teach your kid that, hey, you know what? You know, do you think this is honoring God, Johnny? But before you ask that question to your teenager, do you think this is glorifying God? You first ask them, hey, Johnny, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Hmm. Don't assume that. You know, when you find your kid viewing pornography, ask him that question. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know Jesus Christ? He might say, you know what? I don't. You know, I, I, I never really have given my life to Jesus Christ. Or, hey, I've been doubting Jesus for the past three years, and I don't even know if I'm a real Christian. You know, that type of thing. And at that point, you have to realize that, that the, the goal at that point is in wisdom would say, hey, it's time to reach out and share Jesus with your kid mm-hmm. and tell him why you believe in Jesus, the historicity of Jesus, you know, the evidence for the resurrection, the evidence for the crucifixion, mm-hmm. you know, these type of things, the textual integrity of the New Testament and of the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, and the um, the facts of diggings around the Middle East that Israel itself is a giant treasure chest of biblical archaeology. Um, you know, but these things to share with him, to show him pictures that, hey, this stuff's real. This isn't fake. The Bible's not fake. You have to, you have to share with him those things mm-hmm. and help win him to, to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, in the face of extreme, um, opposition in our culture mm-hmm. that is very anti-Bible, anti-Jesus. 
you know. So, it, but if Johnny says, well, yeah, I do know God, I do know Jesus Christ. Well, then at that point, it's time to say, hey, well, do you think that, do you, do you think that this kind of sexual, um, video, do you think that honors God? You know, and don't scare him into it. Like, don't scare him by saying, well, what, you know, come on, it's bad, it's horrible. You know what I mean? What do you think? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, oh no. You know, but, but instead it's, it's, it's really just coming to him relaxed and saying, hey, what do you think? Have it be a dialogue. You know, yeah. like, like, what do you think? You know, do you think it's something that honors God? And he might say, well, yeah, I, th- I think it does, you know, and, and listen to him. You know, maybe he's going to say something that, that'll blow your brain and, and you'll be like, whoa, that's, that's an insight I never got into my son and how my son's thinking. Yeah. You know, yeah. that would help you out. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's definitely the pattern of God, who is our wonderful counselor. I, I think it's so radical in the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit. I mean, God comes down and he starts asking them questions. Like, you know, he could have, it's not like God didn't know. He could have just come down and started, you know, I can't believe you did this. This is the worst thing. You're screwed. You know, and that could have been it. But what does he ask? Where are you? Where are you? And then when, when Adam answers and he gives him the wrong answer, but he answers, you know, God responds again. And he says, who told you you were naked? You know, he's, he's trying to get Adam to start thinking and to start reasoning through it and, and to start desiring him. God never responds. I mean, once again, he could have, but he never responds that way. Mm-hmm. And even Jesus, when he's on uh, the scene, I mean, read his interactions with people. He's always asking them questions. He's always trying to get them thinking. And so uh, we as Christians, we as those who want to help people out, we want to do the same thing. We want to get people thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you were talking about those scriptures, I was thinking of Isaiah chapter 1, verse uh 18 that says come now and let us reason says the lord and that word reason means to like argue it means to discuss you know like a back and forth type of thing so god's not afraid of that with us certainly and we certainly want to do that with other people so use the socratic method that's what it's called you know ask the questions to your kid you know if it's a little little kid it's uh, you know it's obviously important that you put filters on his computer if he's on any any internet device in your home, any single one is going to have um, the opportunity probably for pornography to be on it. So yeah, even video game consoles now, yeah. That's right, Xbox, PlayStation, all that stuff. So you know, if it's a little kid, certainly you want to do that. You want to you know lock that down. And I don't, and nothing's wrong with doing that too with your teenager if if you find that they struggle with that kind of stuff too. Um, you know, and remember too, I think another good point to make is that, is that kids, um, struggle with like any, everything just like adults do. They, and, and, and their sins are going to come out at some point too. Um, and so it, it shouldn't be a shocker that, that this is one of the ways it does, um, you know, is through through the sexual media of pornography, where you know, when I was a kid, it was just going out of your house to the girl to the girl's house to the neighbor, you know, and playing with each other, you know, kind of thing. Um, but now they they have so much technology, and with the internet, it's 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 like a new world. You know, the whole world's open up to them. But if you, as a parent or a pastor, can put things in proper context with them. And bring in the word of God and help them see that sex isn't the problem, that it's the context of where sex is being done, you know, um, then, man, you could really start teaching them cool lessons so they see things in positive ways 
so that they're not there. You don't destroy them um, by that scare tactic, you know, because you're afraid of what might happen to them in their future. And by all that fear, you know, you basically, you know, that's the flesh and you can't win the battle in the flesh. It's got to be a spiritual work in the kid and something that's a Holy Spirit driven thing in his heart where he gets something spiritually. His eyes awaken to the spiritual truth of something. And he goes, man, Jesus is better. Jesus is a better way to go, man. He's got a better line on this than the way the world is. And, and, you know, the last thing I could say really from my point of view is that's going to take time. Mm. You know, you can't, you know, when your teenager comes back, when you ask your teacher or your teenager in a month, you know, how you doing? And he goes, man, I'm struggling. You can't, you just can't freak out at that moment, you know, and just go, what? You didn't get over it. It's a month. You know, why aren't you free? Um, you know, that's, that's a problem because again, is it difficult to overcome sinful inclinations? You know, yeah. You know, and maybe another thing too is just so you can relate to your kid too is like some of you parents and pastors have never really dealt with internet pornography. You just don't struggle with it. It's not a struggle you have. But again, what have you been overtaken in? And can you share that? And, and you don't need a person like me and Peter to, you know, experts on this kind of stuff because there is, I, I don't, I'm not no expert, but, but <laughs> just some dude who struggles. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're just people that struggle, you know, but you know, if you struggle with overeating and you're overweight, can you go to your kid and say, Hey, you know what, Johnny, I struggle with food, you know, or are you a father that watches sports all the time? Because that winds you down. Can you say, hey, Johnny, you know, I tend to come home and just put on sports, you know, ESPN, because that kind of winds me down. And I kind of don't, I neglect you guys. And that's a temptation I have all the time in my life is, is, is things that get me away from you guys. And I don't fight that good. And that's been a long pattern in my life. Or it could be I'm a workaholic. I just want to work. I just money's the goal in life. And, and and so everything's about getting things done and being performance oriented and, and Johnny that's how my temptations are you know in life and I got to work on that all the time you know that type of attitude you know is something you need to bring to the the conversation do you have any last words on uh yeah it, it goes back to to kind of what you said previously and and what you're referencing right now it's proverbs 12 i mean proverbs 13 verse 12 it says hope deferred makes the heart sick but when desire comes it is a tree of life hmm. and what hope refers to is it's like a strong desire for something like if i say i hope it rains tomorrow yeah that refers to my desire mm-hmm. and if i have a hope what what the what the writer of proverbs is saying is that if my ultimate hope is deferred, or and, and deferred doesn't necessarily mean destroyed. It means could just, it could just mean postponed. Mm-hmm. It says it's going to make my heart sick. So if I put a hope, a strong desire or passion in somebody, like stop viewing porn, and that thing gets postponed, it's going to make their heart sick. You know, it's going to make their whole life sick. Mm-hmm. So the the problem that we have is not that we shouldn't have hope. The problem that we have is that we need to have hope in the proper thing. And that's why it says, 
when desire comes, it is a tree of life. And the tree of life is a reference to the tree that was in the Garden of Eden. It's the same tree that's going to be in the New Jerusalem in heaven with Jesus. So what the writer of Proverbs is saying is that hope is a good thing, but it's only when hope is with an ultimate person that will satisfy you that it becomes a great thing. Mm. You know, and, and that's why in Hebrews 6 it says, This hope we have is an anchor for our souls, both sure and steadfast. It pierces through to the other side of the veil. You know, that that's what we need. I need to start, I need to cultivate in people a hope for Jesus Christ, not some temporal thing. Even something as good as freedom from sin mm-hmm. pales in comparison to a relationship with Jesus. That's right. And that's the ultimate goal for our kids and is that they come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, not through fear, not through some tactic we have, but it's through a relationship. And we teach in that relationship as pastors and as parents, for sure. So um, if you do have any questions for us, you certainly can email us at either peter at runninglight.org or Bo at runninglight.org, and we would love to take your questions on this. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll, uh, we'll hear from you guys next week. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.